right up. It's time for episode 17 of the Age Unsquared podcast journey. Thank you for listening in today. I'm really feeling the love as the number of listeners continues to slowly climb. As usual, this is your host, Age, coming at you with 0.02% of your week from deep within their prairie winterland of Canada. It may be frozen tundra outside, but this podcast is just sizzling with goodness. Welcome to you, whether you're new to this journey or a faithful listener since episode zero. If you're new to the journey, I welcome you to also listen in on the past uh, episodes. I'm sure you will get a better understanding of what I'm all about here on this unsquared journey. So today, let's jump right in. I'm going to start this week with what I believe to be a bizarre story from the U.S., the land of the overly litigious people. Why do I say this? Well, exhibit A, the introduction. If you drink coffee at McDonald's, or any other establishment for that matter, you likely have seen a warning on their takeout cups, something that says caution hot or something along those lines. I'm sorry, but really? The coffee in this cup is hot? How shocking! Well, this development was thanks to a lawsuit in 1994 whereby a woman accidentally spilled hot coffee in her lap, burning parts of her legs and other sensitive areas. Long story short, she sued and won. Somehow, it was McDonald's fault for serving her hot coffee. Isn't that what she ordered? Hot coffee? Well, let's fast forward to 2019. Yes, 25 years later. And enter Exhibit B. A blind man in the U.S. sued Domino's Pizza in 2016. Why? Well, he claimed the company did not provide him with sufficient access to order a customized pizza. It turns out, He was trying to order pizza on his iPhone, which was loaded with screen reading software to help him see and understand what was on the screen. Unfortunately for Domino's, that said screen reading software could not read their website. Why? Well, because their website wasn't calibrated to work with that software. That was Domino's own decision to do that. Now, I'm not blind, so I can't pretend to understand what it's like to be so. I'm sure it's a very difficult life and I would feel blessed that I'm not blind. But am I the only one who thinks his solution to sue being the first thing that would jump into his mind, just being a little bit off? I mean, if I'm holding an iPhone, I think my next thought would be to call in my order for pizza. Besides, up until about three years ago, that's what everyone did when they wanted pizza delivered to their home. Or am I just crazy to think that way? At the very least, if I'm shy on the phone and just can't bear the thought of making a call, I take my pizza ordering business elsewhere to a company that actually has had some foresight and has a website with the ability to interface with my screen reading software. And yes, I am aware that he was trying to order a special pizza that came with a discount online. That was the only place that he could get the discount. But still, nothing stops him from calling in and saying, listen guys, I'm blind and I'm not able to order this discounted pizza online. Can you please fulfill my order through the phone? And then it's at that point that Domino's response could warrant some analysis. But even then, I think your option is not to sue right away. It would be to find a different establishment that would welcome your patronage. Oh, but no, not this gentleman. His first thought is to sue. I guess who can blame him? Living in the land of litigious people. But I think this is absurd. And again, absolutely no disrespect to the blind, but everyone has options in our democratic society and suing should not be the first thing that comes to mind. I'm also no lawyer, but I think the judges that overturned the initial ruling that did not side with the complainant, the judges that agreed with him, should be ashamed. 
they're only making the situation worse by setting further precedent that it's okay to sue if things aren't going your way. Things aren't going well in my life? No problem. I have significant legal precedent to find something I don't like, something that offends me, or something that I can't use, and then sue and get rich. Yes, now that's a fulfilling life. So imagine that instead of suing, you decide to do the rational thing and stop ordering from Domino's. Not only that, you convinced your family and friends to do the same, who in turn told their family and friends and so on and so on. If most or all of them had a beef with this lack of service, of this apparent disrespect, they'd be sure not to order from Domino's in the future. As the wave of upset customers grows, Domino's revenues fall and push it into a situation whereby either operation is no longer feasible or they have to make changes to their company to bring it in line with consumer demand. As the saying goes, vote with your dollars. This is how you get companies to either change their ways or disappear from existence. I bring this up because, as I've mentioned before, I'm all for making a life that is fulfilling and meaningful. It means putting in my time and my effort to create a life for myself, not robbing someone else to make myself rich. If you think I'm off in this thinking, I now submit to you Exhibit C, lottery winners, the majority of whom are dirt poor again only a few years after their significant windfall. Why? Because they didn't earn the money through hard work and perseverance, so they don't appreciate it unless they just burn right through it. Attaining a windfall from a lawsuit does the exact same thing in my mind, if the amount that it's awarded covers more than just the damages, legal expenses, and bills associated directly with the effect of the complaint. Don't get me wrong, I think a person who, shoot, who sues for good reasons should be put back to a financial situation where they're able to further thrive. However, if you're further ahead in life thanks to the winnings of a lawsuit, that's no different than winning the lottery in my mind. And that money is not going to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside, regardless of how happy you may be when you first get it. So, dear friends, choose fulfillment and meaning over the fast lane. Not only will you be richer in your wallet, but also in your soul. And now let's dive right into more enriching topics. In the last episode of Age Unsquared, I ripped into Bank of Canada Governor Stephen Polos. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, I suggest you take a listen after you, you finish listening to this one. So this week, I thought it was only fair to line up the Fed Chair, Jerome Powell. Lo and behold, Mr. Powell even served me up a nice fastball right down the middle of the plate for me to blast out of the park. On Wednesday, the U.S. Fed held another interest rate decision meeting. At this meeting, they decided to hold rates steady. This wasn't really a surprise given the market turmoil of the last few months. In the ensuing information release, Mr. Powell continued his calming words for the markets. Quote, The case for rate increases has diminished. I would need to see a reason for further rate hikes that would have to include higher inflation. End quote. He also admitted that the Fed would continue reducing its balance sheet. This means that they would not be pumping more money into the economy if they were to reduce their balance sheet only if such an act can be done without upsetting the markets, he says. Well, dear friends, that is impossible. Allow me to explain. All these years of cheap money, which means ultra-low interest rates, has also seen a parabolic rise in investment markets. Why? Because those that were smart and financially equipped to do so borrowed a lot of money at very low interest rates to invest more into the markets. This has only served to pump up the markets with all of that extra low-cost money. 
In the event that rates are raised too much and or too quickly, those same smart and financially equipped people and institutions will figure out that they do not want to be servicing, i.e. paying for, all of that debt at higher rates. So they will start selling en masse to take their profits out of the markets and pay down their debts. It only makes sense. You hold a big profit in your position, but you have higher interest rates to pay on your debts, well you may as well sell some of it to pay for the debt. And as we've seen with the advent of computer software that trades on trends, uh, the wave of selling will swell as the number of sell trades compounds. Of course, those in the markets who are without the financial know-how and instead relying on the experts to navigate their portfolios will get obliterated, quite frankly, because either their expert advisors don't know what's happening or don't care or won't be able to act fast enough to save the small portfolios. There you have it. Another central banker who is stuck between a mess his own institution created and the reality that demands to be recognized. To keep this patient, in this situation the economy and markets alive, he has to keep pumping the patient with drugs. But those drugs too are now killing the patient. Because the patient was healed, but is now addicted and dependent on the drug to survive. Through his actions of not increasing interest rates, the doctor is only stalling the eventual withdrawal that the economy will have to go through. But the longer he, or any of his successors for that matter, await, the more painful the withdrawal symptoms and pains will be for the markets. Mark my words, the market phoenix will combust, but it is a phoenix, it will rise again my friends. The only question is when and how long before it first erupts into flames. So the next time you turn on the financial news, and you have someone spotting that the economy and markets are in great shape, you should send them an email or call them and ask, why then are the central banks so reluctant to raise rates? A healthy economy would naturally demand higher rates to counter all of the excess money and inflation. The higher interest rates would help stimulate the act of saving more money, which would then be invested to further build up and strengthen the economy. The current reality is, the, is that the economy is not healthy, all thanks to the financial doctors at the central banks. And by the way, as you may recall from my last episode, there was a survey which said that about half of Canadians are on the edge of bankruptcy. One of the problems? Are rising costs of living, also known as inflation. So in one breath, the central bankers are telling us the economy and investment markets are doing great, that there's absolutely nothing to worry about. But in the next breath, they tell us that they need to see higher inflation to give them reason to raise rates, which would normally be done if the economy is healthy and strong. Again, I ask, which is it? In the meantime, Main Street is so confused by what's going on on Wall Street that they just decide to ignore all of the news and changing of minds by their financial overlords. In the process, Main Street continues to get hoodwinked. Don't be one of those that gets hoodwinked. I'll leave you to mull that over during this important message from one of our gracious and early supportive sponsors. The Christmas holidays are once again behind us for another year. It's back to the daily grind of life. Yet you find yourself looking around your home and thinking, this is the year you want to make some changes. Perhaps it's something as little as putting up a fresh coat of paint to brighten up the existing yet fading shade. Maybe you just need to replace your floors. Or maybe you're finally ready to finish off that basement you've been putting off for years. Whatever your home improvement project, if you live in the Edmonton area, connect with the home rejuvenation service experts at Enclave Properties first and get a transparent, no-obligation quote 
to help you decide if this is the year to make all of those changes on your list or maybe just a few. And if you contact them through our special link at www.agecorp.co slash enclave, that's spelled E-N-C-L-A-V-E, you will receive a 10% discount for your entire rejuvenation project. Enclave Properties prides itself in providing excellent client service in a timely and transparent fashion. They carefully select their sub-trade partners to make sure they work with only the most reliable and hardworking building professionals. So again, connect with them through www.agecorp.co slash enclave and get ready to rejuvenate your place of calm and rest. Your soul will appreciate it while making your wallet happy too. And now moving right back into more empowering information. In the previous episode, I discussed a survey that revealed 50% of Canadians are $200 away from bankruptcy. Again, if you haven't listened to that episode, I welcome you to do so after listening to this one. Uncovered was also the reality that many Canadians are drowning in debt and thus worry that rising interest rates will harm them financially. Having introduced the problem in that episode, I want to take this opportunity to pose the general solution for those finding themselves in the deep end of the debt pool. Remember, this is just a general overview of steps to consider to get yourself out of consumer debt. So if you have loans, lines of credit, and or credit cards that are carrying balances, and that you're only paying the bare minimums on a monthly basis, this is your cue to either listen up or contact us to help you or just continue struggling. I believe it's important to get to know what your financial situation looks like in the here and the now. Take this time to write up your net worth statement, which gives you an idea of how much cash you would have if you sold everything you owned and paid off all of your debts. Take a sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle of it, On the left side, you write assets at the top, under which you will list all of the things you own that can be easily converted to cash by selling because they have value. So this can include things such as your bank accounts, your investments, your house, your cars, your boats, your motorcycles, collections, things of that nature. Be sure to write an approximate value of each. Don't worry about finding the exact value as that's not the point of the exercise here. On the right side of your page, write liabilities at the top, under which you will list all debts you carry. So this includes your credit cards, loans, lines of credit, any money that you owe to family and friends, mortgages. Beside each, write the approximate amount owed. I also suggest writing such details as your interest rate for each, the credit limit if it's a line of credit or credit card, and your monthly minimum payment amounts. Now, total up your assets column, and your liabilities column. Then subtract your total liabilities from your total assets. This is your net worth. This is your financial position at that given point in time. If it's negative, I'll be honest, you have some work to do to correct your financial position, but it's not impossible, so don't worry. It will just take some hard work to get you there. Now that you know your net worth, take some time to consider if there are any assets you don't truly need right now to live that you could sell to pay down some of your debts. Be honest with yourself. I know you love that boat, but can you live without it for a few years to get back on track financially? What about your cars? Do you think your family can do with just one for a couple of years to get you out of your financial quagmire? Think that's impossible? Well, let me tell you a quick true story here. My family survived using only one vehicle for a good six or seven years. 
And this was actually at a time when both my parents drove. But not only that, it was the exact same time that I was learning to drive and that I got my driver's license. It was also the time that my younger brother got his driver's license. So at the peak of it, for a good solid four years, our family survived with four drivers, but only one car. And two of those drivers of whom were teenage boys, I remind you. So I'm sorry if I have a difficult time feeling bad for your vehicle situation. It's gut check time. What's more important to you? That's the reality of the situation. By selling an asset or two, you may be able to pay down a good chunk of your debt. For the rest, proceed to the next step, which will take you more time to work on, but it's vital. It's time to whip up a budget or cash flow statement. You need to know how much money you're bringing in and where it's all going. This is the time to figure out if you're spending too much money on your home, which means you may need to downsize to another house, enabling you to pay some of your debts down. It may also allow you to identify how much more you're thoughtlessly spending on yourself in areas that you truly could live without, that won't be life or death for you. Again, I get that it's difficult to give up certain luxuries, but you have to think about this for the long term, if you really want to attain financial independence. So identify areas such as restaurants, alcohol, smoking, gambling, fancy homewares, electronics, toys, where you really could trim down. Instead of eating out five times a week, try one instead. It might be difficult, but you still get to eat out. You'll also save money, and you'll appreciate your eating experience that much more. Long story short, you should have at least 15% of your after-tax income going to pay down debt. Set that aside each month, along with the costs for your home and the amounts for your savings. Anything left over after that, you can spend mindlessly. Or, if your financial independence is really your game, start piling more of that leftover money into your debt. When you know how much you can pay directly to debts monthly, the task now is to identify one debt you will aggressively pay down while still paying the minimum amounts on the others. My suggestion is to pick the debt with the lowest balance owing, even if it's the lowest interest debt. Why? This will give you a psychological boost when it's paid off, and one of your goals is reached. It will make the aggressive paydown of the rest of the debts easier for you. Once that debt is paid off though, now pick the next lowest balance and attack it like your life was on the line. Do not give up, do not relent, do not rest. And remember, once your debt is paid off, be sure to have it closed. Loans are automatically paid off and closed, but lines of credit and credit cards are not. They remain open even with a zero balance owing. So do yourself a favor, walk into your bank branch once it's paid off, and be firm in your request to have that line of credit or credit card closed. And whatever you do, do not let them talk you out of it. Yes, you can keep one low limit credit card for cash flow purposes, but even those you should think twice about if you have difficulty controlling your spending. You do not want to put in all of this work in paying down your debts, and presto, your bank has you right back in the mess you've cleaned up. Believe me, I've seen this happen before, so I'm not making this up. Of course, if all else fails, don't cry and give up. Give us a call at Engage Financial. We take pride in seeing people get out of debt and back on the road to financial independence. Remember, we're on a journey. If your journey has taken you astray, we'll gladly help you get back on your right path. Thank you for listening to this episode, but 0.02% of your time is already up, and I do not want to overstay my welcome. Some quick reminders before I press the stop button. If you're enjoying listening to these episodes, please be sure to do three things. Number one, if you haven't already, please subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Jump on to www.agonsquared.com 
and select your subscription platform. Number two, if you think this is an excellent podcast, take the next step and leave me a rating and review on one of those podcast channels. Doing so will truly help us spread the word unsquared. Of course, I'd love a five-star rating if you're especially loving what you're hearing. Number three, to help spread the word unsquared even further, don't forget to share this podcast with just three of your family and friends. I can already tell some of you are doing so because the number of listeners is growing. For that, I really love you guys and truly appreciate your help. Don't forget that you can chat it up with me on Twitter, find me at The Original Age. The same handle will connect you with me on Snapchat, where I'm giving you, my loyal listeners, an inside glimpse into my hustle and grind. And the central depository of information and content continues to be at www.agecorp.co and at the original age handle on Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. Be sure to leave comments there as well and to share our content with your friends too. And when you're ready, a free coffee awaits you at your kitchen table as we have a chat or two about your financial future and independence in person, or even on Skype. I look forward to bringing you into the inner circles of our extended financial family. Until next time, Adriel, stay safe, keep your integrity, and see you at the pinnacle.